Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, gecko and reptile enthusiasts. Tonight is June 1st, 2014, and uh, tonight's going to be a great show. Looking forward to it all week, and uh, tonight we have with us a new hobbyist, someone that's got a unique perspective on the gecko community in particular. So I think it's going to be interesting. Um, Daryl Burton is uh, a new guy on the block, and uh, he hasn't um, been doing geckos for too long, but he just started breeding leopard geckos this year. He does have a long history um, being interested in, in herpetoculture. And in back in the day, uh, back in the 80s, he was really into snakes, and he actually ran a business called the Mouse uh, Factory, uh, which was a really popular feeder company uh, back then when, when I was a kid and when basically herpetoculture was uh, a lot in its infancy uh, than what it is today. So we're going we're gonna to reminisce a little bit. We're going to talk about what it used to be like some of the differences, changes, and basically from his perspective, from a new hobbyist perspective, uh, you know, how he feels about the, the gecko community because that's what we're primarily focused on, uh, uh, you know, not just me, but him as well. So uh, it should be an interesting show. So also, folks, I just want to mention um, that next week, all right, this is going to be a very special show for all our Canadian fans. And um, it's a very, very important show. Um, here in America, we would love to be able to easily get our animals up there to Canada. And God knows, I get a million requests every week. Dave, can you get your? Can you send me a gecko? Can you ship me a gecko? And because the laws are confusing, and you know, it's almost like we have like a mental block. We don't even want to try to figure it out. Well, we're gonna we're gonna make it easy for everyone, and we're bringing on. Uh, Sam from Reptile Express Canada next week, okay? And he's going to break it down for us. He's going to explain exactly what it takes and what's involved in shipping to Canada, all right? I really want to be able to get my animals up there. You Canadian folks are really cool people. In fact, every single Canadian person that I've ever corresponded with, uh, either online or in person, has just been awesome. I don't know if it's the clean air up there or what, but you guys are really cool. And uh, we do have a great uh, amount of listeners from Canada, which is great. So that's, that show next week is all for you guys. And um, he, Sam is also welcoming your phone calls. So any kind of questions you have about importation or anything, call in. Um, and hopefully you Canadians can call in. I would love it if uh, Sunday's next Sunday's show was all about you folks from Canada and if you guys could call in with your questions or comments or whatever. So that's cool. All right, moving on. Um, we do have one more sponsorship spot available for this show. So if you'd like to advertise with Gecko Nation Radio and reach a lot of people, this, there is one spot left for you. All right, so keep that in mind. You can email me at gecconationradio at gmail.com or message me on Facebook. All right, so if you're a breeder or a business that would like to get some exposure, um, primarily in the who's who of the gecko world, and reptiles. We do more than just geckos here, of course. Um, 
now's your chance. All right. Um, let's see. What else did I want to mention? Oh, for you guys that want to call in tonight, we're going to do something special for callers, of course, and we're going to have our nightly raffle. I haven't figured out what we're going to give away as a prize, but uh, just so you guys know, the call-in number is 646-478-5331. And uh, we'll likely take your calls throughout the show. I don't think we'll wait till the second half. We'll just take your calls whenever, okay? Um, I'll take them in the order that they come on, so whoever's been on the longest will get on first. All right. And um, I just want to mention that the uh, the promotion with AB Dragons is always going strong, okay? The code is GECKO. Use GECKO at checkout, all in caps, and you're going to get 5% off your FlexWatt and your Dubia Roaches. And speaking of our awesome sponsors, they make this show possible. Check Check out some of them right now. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making. Known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his leopard gecko care app his Morph Encyclopedia app called LeopardGecko Pro, and visit his site, LeopardGecko.com, to see where morphs are made. GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred, exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit ReptilesExpress.com and become a member today. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or... It can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. All right, folks. And, wow, the chat room is filling up fast tonight. That is awesome. Uh, let's see. Who do we have? We have Angela Smith from Gamer Geckos. We have Brooke Pulowski, the awesomely talented banner and graphic designer maker. Uh, we have Elsa, of course. We have uh, Jim Baldwin. We have Rachel Gratis. We have Soft Kitty. We have Steve Barker. We have Ty Malave. We have Wendy Ontiveros. We have Yvonne Hancock and Vogelsang. Thank you all for joining us tonight. And uh, before we get started, as you guys know, we, we have a new format to the news. We are kind of shortened the whole segment because it was cutting way into our interview time. 
Um, so we're kind of, you know, making Steve's job a little bit easier, but also bringing you guys more relevant news. And I also want to take this moment to uh, let everyone know we like constructive criticism. Chris, excuse me, criticism. We really want to get this right for you guys. Okay. So if there's something about the show that you think we could do better, or if you have an idea for the show, don't hesitate to tell me. Okay. As long as you're not rude, I won't be rude back to you. <laughs> but just uh, you know, let me know what you think we're doing right or wrong. You know what I mean? Because this is your show, everybody. This, you know, I, we don't make any money off this. This is for the community. Okay. So. We want you guys to enjoy it. We want everyone to like it. So email me, getgonationradio at gmail.com with any of your suggestions. That's right, Brooks. Very funny. Okay. Um, and speaking of the news. Good evening, Gekonians. Whoop, there he is. What is up, Steve? <laughs> hey, what's going on? <laughs> Oh, not much. How have you been? Uh, pretty good. I think I got too oh, much sun today. <laughs> well, vitamin D three. I'm feeling it. Are you are you taking proper calcium though with your vitamin D three exposure or what? Oh yeah. <laughs> good, good. We don't want any MVD with you. You know that'll mess yeah. up the news completely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. How's your how you settling from your move? Is it all done and over with or what? Uh, yeah, I'm still rearranging and moving stuff, and I'm pretty much unpacked. I'm just trying to organize now. <laughs> okay, good, good. All right, well, what you got for us tonight? All right, since you were talking about Canada earlier, yes. Ontario Farm breeds millions of insects for human consumption. This mm, is pretty cool. Yummy. Peter, Peterborough, Ontario, Next Millennium Farms, has an interesting take on agriculture. They don't focus <laughs> on vegetables or fruits. They specialize in protein, but not in the traditional sense. They grow, <laughs> they grow insects for humans to eat, and then mainly crickets and worms. They're, this wow. venture... Yeah, this... This venture initially started out as a reptile insect farm, raising bugs to, to feed our reptiles. And uh, around the time that they started this, the United Nations released a paper on the Earth's growing population and projected food shortages, which led to a team of McGill students who won a, a prestigious Holtz Prize after pitching a plan to turn insects into viable food. So this is kind of inter- interesting. You think, uh, well, Dave, you you could uh, eat some mealworms? <laughs> only if you only if you want to see me dead, yeah. I mean, I'm so allergic to them. I, I don't think I could possibly eat them. I've been hearing a lot about this, and yes, the whole food yeah. shortage thing. But, yeah. you know, it's funny that the elites of the world will be eating, you know, great Angus steaks and, you know, the rest of us will be stuck eating worms, I think, in the future probably. But, um, you know, it, people don't realize you're already eating worms when you when you go to McDonald's and stuff. It's all in that food. Yep. It's, it's horrible. So, flour. <laughs> flour has a lot of eggs in it. Moth, moth eggs. They're, yes, you moth know, eggs, yep. You know, flowers usually has, has them in it. Um Another interesting thing about it is 
by producing these, they have reduced their carbon footprint. In the article, it compares beef. It takes 15 pounds of feed to create one pound of red meat. And Mm -hmm. to create one pound of insects, it only takes two pounds of feed. So you get more out of it. Yeah. And also, Hmm. they are developing gluten-free and paleo-fed line of insects. You know, this is, <laughs> is you know, cool let me tell you something. This is very cool. And you know what? For all you people out there that are, are allergic to mealworms and stuff, I think we should try contacting this place because I would bet you that they would have some knowledge about this and maybe, perhaps, because if they're, if they're making this for human consumption, they're going to have to, you know, tie up all those loose ends. They, they can't be selling a product that's, that people are going to get sick from. So I'm wondering, right. because, it's, because it's for human consumption, um, I'm wondering if they may have some knowledge about what makes us have a mealworm allergy and maybe possibly ways to to uh, stop it. So, um, Steve, yeah, what it, it, forward it would be that a, information. It would be a hypoallergenic, right? <laughs> right, right. Maybe you could um, do a follow-up for us and, and contact them and, and see if you can get some more info on that. All right, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. That'd be cool. Uh, here's another yeah. thing. If 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 it wasn't for reptile keepers, they may have never even thought of this because originally exactly. that this was all for. So really, we yes. helped. You know, reptile keepers helped lead to this. So that's yep. kind of cool too. That is cool. That is. Yeah. All right. Our next story is not so cool. Uh-oh. A, le- a leopard gecko was found dumped in a plastic tub. I heard the about Scot- this. Yeah, the Scottish SPCA was alerted after the lizard was found under a bush in a, in a communal garden in Silver Mills area in Scotland. He was left inside a clear plastic container with air holes. Thankfully, the gecko is in good health and has already been offered a new home where he will receive the care and attention he needs. Well, hold on so, a second. Don't we keep them in clear plastic tubs anyway? Yep, but it was left so, under a bush, abandoned oh, okay. under Got a bush. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, I don't like to hear that. No. And our last story of the night, everybody knows who Steve Sykes is. Oh, yeah. What's going on with him? Uh, A couple months ago, he submitted an article to Reptiles Magazine about the care and breeding of knob-tailed geckos, and the July issue has that article in it. So everybody should check it out. Um, Awesome. Congratulations, Steve. Knob-tailed geckos. Yeah, that's awesome. And check out his Facebook page because he's got a, a very proud picture of the magazine. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, if you can get, get some exposure and something like that, that's huge. Like when, Absolutely. like when my diamondback gecko got featured in the breeder's choice, that I mean, in reptiles magazine, that like made yeah. my life. I mean, when I, I've been collecting that magazine since I was a kid. I couldn't believe it. You know, somebody actually really liked it and put it in the magazine when I submitted it. That, that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. It is. So, yeah. 
Good for you, Steve Sykes. Uh, he was a guest recently, folks. If you haven't seen him, he's a very well-known, respected breeder in the community. And uh, he did an interview with us about, I think, about two months ago. So for yep. new listeners, go check that out in the archive. In the archive, And it's also uh, old shows are on iTunes. Um, Steve, what do you got for, for us for Herp History? Oh, you know what? I have been so busy. But hold on. I'll grab you something real quick. I totally forgot. I apologize <laughs> okay. for that. That's no problem. As I've got some stuff saved here. You want to do it next okay. week? That's totally, nope, totally I good. got you right now. July 9th, 1987. A mm-hmm. reptile discovered in Jersey Marsh. A crew of work, workers sloshing through... A northern New Jersey marsh found a two-foot alligator reptile napping in the reeds. Officially, officials say the workers captured the reptile called a caiman. Last week in the Hackensack Meadowlands, four miles west of Midtown Manhattan, the animal normally is found in the tropical regions of South America. Bergen County Park Supervisor Peter Boss said the caiman probably used to be someone's pet. That was July mm-hmm. 9, 1987. Not really that long ago. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't been. Somebody must have flushed it down the toilet as a baby in New York City, and it made its way into the into the marshes. I know exactly where that is, right by the Meadowlands Sports Center. Oh, that's crazy. There's all kinds of wildlife there, actually. It's a very, um, it's kind of untouched a lot of it, too. But there's, you know, there's a lot of runoff from the city, so it's kind of polluted, you know. Oh, uh, uh, that's that's horrible. Well, what are you going to do? It, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. I, I don't like hearing that, though. <laughs> well, me neither. Me neither. So what's, what's going on in your collection, Steve? Uh, I'm still collecting a bunch of eggs. I should have some milli eyes hatching again here in another... Within the next two weeks, I should have some more milli-eyes hatching and probably le- leopard geckos in about three to four weeks. I should have some start hatching. Nice. Still, How many milli-eyes do you have on the ground now? Um, other than the one that hatched out, I have two clutches of eggs in the okay. incubator right now. Yeah. Very cool. No awesome. ball like python. That. No ball python eggs yet. I can't Why believe not? it. I I think they're running late. I I mm-hmm. caught a lot of ovulations, um, you know, like at the end of April. So I'm pretty sure between now and July, I should start seeing. I hope a whole bunch of eggs. <laughs> mhm. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. I'm sure you're going to do very well this year. I hope you you nail some more of those beautiful red stripe bells. Those those really beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, that pairing, the same pairing from last year, I have the most eggs from so far. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. And I kept, I held back four females last year from them, so, and they all, one of them, one of them was a radar, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. I, I may have to grab one of those from you. Those came out great. Yeah, they did. All right. Well, very good, Steve. Thank you so much for the news, and uh, we will catch you again next week. Give out your information so people can find you. Check me out on Facebook and YouTube under BC Barker Creations. Awesome. All right. Have a good night, Steve. You too.
All right, folks, uh, we got one last thing before we get started, and that is this. Check it out. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Herpentime Radio is my inspiration for GNR. Justin and JD do a terrific show every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern and have an amazing archive of shows available for download. Visit them at blogtalkradio.com slash herpentime and on Facebook. All right, folks. If you follow the gecko, the leopard gecko community closely, you know, we see a lot of people coming and going. It actually seems like more people are coming. Um, now, we have hobbyists that stick with this for a year, two years, and some of them drop off and go off to do other things. Some of us uh, stick with it and really, you know, really enjoy it and get really obsessed with it. That's the perfect word to describe it. Um, Daryl Burton is a new hobbyist that has definitely caught the bug. And I could go on and on and tell you how great he is, but he's pretty cool. Let's go ahead and just bring him on. Mr. Daryl Burton, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, Dave. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's, it's nice to have you on uh, in the aspect of an interview. You've, you've co-hosted with me uh, what, like once or twice, I think, now, but uh, this, this show is all for you. How do you feel about it? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, quite an honor to do that. I don't know that I have the knowledge of some of your other guests that you've had on, but we'll have fun anyway. Well, you know what? It's not always just about knowledge and experience. You know, it's, it's basically just talking reptiles and just, uh, you know, keeping it casual. We don't have to, you know, have a, a structured interview every episode, that's for sure. We've done a few of these beginner-type episodes, and they always go over really well. In fact, the downloads are comparable to some of our big interviews. So it really doesn't really matter in the long run, um, you know, the guest or it's or the type of discussion. It's basically people love the show, so, you know. Well, I think that just goes to show you how many new people that we're generating on a daily basis. Right, right. You got a lot of people out there that are new, new to the hobby, and and full of questions and uh, looking for information. And of course, you know you can find good and bad information on the internet. So this is probably a pretty good venue for them. I know it is for me. Right. Absolutely. And and you're a member uh, and an admin in our group, Gecko Nation, now. And so you see firsthand exactly all the new people that are coming in and. Um, what people are talking about. What's your overall impression of the gecko world? Um, in, in, in addition to that, what made you decide to focus on leopard geckos? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, basically, I like all types of reptiles. You know, in the old days, like you mentioned earlier, I, I kept a lot of snakes and different things. And my current wife, or my wife, and we've been married for Oh, going on 14 years and get Kate, who just turned nine, and she is dead set against snakes. So this was just kind of a an easy fix. She looked at a leopard gecko and said, "Eh, okay, you can get a few." 
Well, you know what happened. A few turned into a few, so a few more. So, uh, you know, she let us have a pixie frog and, you know, different things like that and tarantulas, you know. And so the uh, leopard geckos uh, was our first really strong push into the reptile side of it. Hmm. Is there something special about leopard geckos that you really like that really caught your eye? Uh, you know, back in the old days, we just had the wild types. I remember when they were importing those in the 80s, you know, and I mean, so to look at it and see all the different morphs and colors, and uh, it just reminded me of the corn snake craze that hit in the 80s, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, Bill and Kathy Love started breeding corn snakes and, you know, all the different uh, genetic makeups and, and different things you could make and, uh you know, so I saw the handwriting on the wall. I thought, man, you're you're right here in the middle of that again. And uh, a friend of mine that's that's a big snake guy. Uh, you know, whenever I got out of the out of the reptiles, I I moved away from Fort Davis and to Midland, Texas. Uh, my father passed away in '93, so I came back home to help my mom get all that stuff straightened out. And I gave him probably 30 or 40 corn snakes, and I told him, I said. Keep these corn snakes and keep breeding them. I said, this is going to be the, the candy in the pet stores in the future. And, of course, he did for a little while. He was a, a rattlesnake guy to begin with. And so he, he kind of gave them away and did some different things. And then probably 10 or 12 years ago, he told me, he said, man, you were right. He said, I wish I'd have kept all those corn snakes. And, you know, he said, they're everywhere now. And, and you know, that's the, the leopard geckos are the same way. Well, I'm hoping that the leopard geckos don't turn into, you know, fifteen thirty dollar animals like the corn snakes have. You know what I mean? Well, and it's a numbers game. I mean, you know, in time you're going to see maybe not fifteen twenty dollars, you know, but you you're, you're going to see some of the more common stuff. You know, the price come down, but they tend to hold their value a little better, it seems to me, unless you're you know unless you're just dealing in the pet trade animal, which most of the people that, that listen to this show and hang around in our group, that's not what they're doing. So there's always going right. to be a market. Like I've all, you know, you and I've talked many, many times. You know, if you produce good stuff, quality stuff, pretty stuff, it's always gonna it's always gonna sell and bring top dollar. You know, that's it's whenever you that's start, uh, you know, muddying the waters and and uh, um, you know, making things that aren't top quality, they're not going to bring the same money. Yeah, no, that's the name of the game, exactly. Um, you know, I, you've been, like, you're one of the people that understand it. So, I mean, just like you said, um, about the genetics and how important that is. And, you know, the top genetics and the top lines are always going to command the better pricing. Um, when you, why don't you tell people, you're not just, a green hobbyist like you have why don't you give people a little idea of where, what your education is like because you've told me um some of the uh the studies that you've done and um basically where your your mind is at about um you know the genetics and based on your education tell us a little bit about uh what kind of background you have Daryl. yeah i went to school at a little state college here in texas called Solidaw state university in alpine which is uh, in the mountains, uh, elevation 4,600 foot, very nice, you know, and you're only 90 miles north of Big Bend National Park right in the middle of the Chihuahuan Desert. So, 
you know, that that was what I went to school for is biology and uh, herpetology, you know, by education. And, you know, that's that's a problem that we have anytime. You know, I had a buddy of mine who's a Ph.D. mammalogist and probably the smartest guy I know. You know, he always said, he's always told me that, you know, when you get hobbyists involved with, with science, it takes a curve, it takes a turn, you know, and, and a prime example is, is the way the leopard gecko community uses certain terms like dominant and co-dominant. You know, they use it and everybody kind of understands it, but that is not what it's designed, you know, that's not what co-dominant means or dominant, the way that the gecko hobby uses it. But nonetheless, right. I mean, it's still what it is, and I mean, there, there's more hobbyists have have done more good for for animals in general because any time you've got somebody that is passionate and enjoys keeping something or breeding something, they're going to learn a whole lot more about the ins and outs of the animal. Not only uh, you know from from uh, herpetoculture or raising them and breeding them and what care they need way more than a scientist is. A scientist is only going to do things for a reason. And, and, and like I've told you in the past, you know, science is not here to prove anything. It only disproves. So, right. you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the hobbyists are the are great when it comes to the evolution of, of care for an animal or, or breeding of an animal, you know. And they're going to do a whole lot more than a scientist is going to, in my opinion. So, in particular, it, it, you um, know, it, hold on, Daryl. I just want to mention, though, in particular, though, um, we, we have like a the way we talk about these genes. It's almost like a genetic slang, so to speak, because you, exactly. you mentioned that we don't right. We don't really have the terminology correct. So, for instance, just just so you guys know, we'll take the the uh, Max Super Snow, for example. Now we call that a codominant, but in fact, it's actually an incomplete dominant. Correct. Correct. Right, yeah. and and, and I still don't know what? enough about the leopard gecko genetics. With me only being in it, you know, a little over a year in my first breeding season, you know, I, I still, you know, try to try to peruse the literature and and learn as much as I can. But you don't, you can't learn anything until you start doing it and right. putting, you know, right. you can put pen to paper and and you know, you, you you get these odds. You know, everybody's doing simple Mendelian genetics and the PNA squares, and they're trying to come up with the odds of getting different things, which is fine. I mean, but that's just odds. You know, for example, we could we could sit here and flip a quarter ten times. You know, and you they they say you've got a fifty fifty chance of it being heads or tails, but you could get either one to come up all ten times. Probably not probable. Probably not going to happen, but it could, and that's. That's what people don't understand whenever you start incubating large numbers of eggs, uh, you know, with all the odds that are out there, you're never going to see everything. The animal's not going to live long enough to produce enough eggs, you know, and you're just you're just hoping that you can figure out to the best of your knowledge what's going on. And that's always been my take with, with test breeding. I mean, I, I believe it's a, it's a valid endeavor to, to pursue, especially to do our best to clean up uh, lines and um, just make sure our lines are so you know pure in quotation marks. Um, but at the end of the day, like you know, how do you know the test animals are pure? How do you know? Um, well, that's that. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's where I was fixing to go with that. That that's all fine and dandy, and you have to test breed, and I understand that. But un, unless you know for a fact, and you're not going to that your test animals are pure. I mean, you're going to the best of your knowledge, and right. and that's right. all you can do. Uh, 
you know, but you never know for sure. In my opinion, it's actually, like, yeah, it's almost like chaos theory in a way. It's like you know, you can only exactly get so yes. But um, it's 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 interesting to talk about. That's for sure. Well, I'm um, speaking of the genetics. You you've definitely you're you're on your way to building a very very impressive leopard gecko collection. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the the projects you're working with so far, Daryl? Oh, I've got several things going here, and, and uh, you know, my my deal whenever I started gathering up a few animals, my whole thing was, you know, when I got started, I wanted to get good quality stuff, uh, and which I think I have for the most part. I've got a couple here that are, that maybe not, may not be, but my whole deal was I was going to get animals that I could breed, uh, for example, you know, I've got bandits, I, and that may be my favorite of all are the bandits. You know, and I got them straight from Ron. You know, I went and picked them out at his facility. And if everybody had, ever has a chance to go there, it is just awesome to go in and see all the stuff that he's got going on. But, you know, so I picked up those and uh, the first time, and then he, he, he kind of guided me, you know, kind of like a horse to water. He showed me the pastel raptors that he had and convinced me, not, it didn't take much convincing because they're real nice animals, you know, to, to get those, and I did. And so now I'm real curious with all this stuff that he's got going on with those, um, and maybe he can figure that out. You know, and, and the extreme marines I picked up from Ron, and then, as you know, I picked up quite a few animals. Everybody here that listens to this show and is on the, on the web page knows I picked up quite a few animals from you. And you know, I've 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 gone Thank you, by the way. With straight yeah, straight and simple stuff, you know. I mean, I wanna be able to breed something that I know that that you know, you guys, the big breeders, have worked on and perfected certain things and so I wanna breed that so whenever I hatch it, I know what it is for the most part and you know, I can I can see, okay, this you know, 'cause until this year until I started hatching eggs, I didn't know what baby straight out of the egg looked like for you know, uh, an extreme marine or a bandit or, you know, you know, pick it, any of them. You know, I mean, I, the, I saw some at Ron's that were pretty young, but I didn't know what all of them were, you know. Right. And then uh, the, the other thing, though, with me is, is uh, you know, in which you know, I really, really like the wild types, the, the, the pure subspecies stuff. And, of course, I've yes. picked up quite a few things from John and uh, – Breaking news here on GNR, uh, I just picked up a pair of Elium Province Agamanius from John last week, so I can't wait to get those That's guys awesome. here. Now I'll have, now I'll have two pair, but, you know, uh, yeah, I got the others. And, that's, uh, for people that don't know, uh, that are listening, uh, we're talking about John Scarborough from uh, Gecko Boa Reptiles. He is basically the wild-type king here in America. He's got all the different um, available uh, subspecies right now, which is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, oh, you guys yeah, want to check him out. He's a, yeah, he's a sponsor of the show, so check him out. But, uh, yeah, what, what's and a super nice guy, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, what's the, the difference? Uh, the aliens are a little lighter that? colored. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a little lighter colored, I think, as adults. Uh, I think the, the pair that I got, uh, he just posted them on his webpage. If anybody's looked at it, they're the first two animals that he posted up, I think, last week. He sent me an email, wanted to know if I was interested in them, and, uh, you know, how could I say no? 
Nah, but that's uh, awesome. Yeah, and, you know, and 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 they're just they're the the Kermanshaw province that I have right now. They're just different. I mean, until you sit here and look at them side by side with with regular leopard geckos. I mean, the the morphology, the the idiosyncrasies, the habits. They're they're totally different. I mean, they're still a leopard gecko, yes, but they're totally different. And they're they're huge, right? Yeah, my uh, my female that I picked up a few months ago is is she's pushing about eight or nine months now. I think she was hatched last August, and uh, she's seventy eight grams right now. And the, the thing you got to realize about these guys is they're long and lean. I mean, their legs are you know a good two inches. Whenever they stand up off the ground, they stand up. You know, and yeah. so they're real long and lean. The head's real big and pointy. Um, they're just they're just totally they just totally different, morphologically speaking, anyway. To me, I'm sure mm-hmm. John could give everybody a better a better description, but but they're uh, they're really neat. I mean, I really really like them. They're, they they remind me a lot, and and, I, and I, I don't quote me on this, but they remind me a lot of the Montanas. I think Montanas are probably closely related to them. I think John was telling me they're like one mountain range over in their natural okay. habitat where they come from. Uh, the Montanas aren't as big, obviously, but but they they do they do have Montanas does have that lanky look to them as well, just not as big as these guys. And I'm kind of like the opposite. I can appreciate the wild types, but I just really love the morphs. That's like my whole thing. But I can totally appreciate why. Anybody would would be interested in in the wild types. I mean, if I had to get involved with the wild types heavily, I would go for the Agrimanius too, just because they're so different. Um, you know, I have a few of the. I, I really like the Ephasiolatus myself. Um, Afghans are cool, but if you had to take a pick, Daryl, which is your favorite of the wild types? Favorite of the wild types has got to be the Agrimanius. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then. You know, I mean, because I've got several. I've got the uh, Macularis Macularis, which I'm incubating eggs on those. You know, that was the original ones that first started coming in. And, you know, I've got Montanus, uh, Turkmenicus. You know, I've got two different lines from John on those. They're pretty neat. I I like them as well. Uh, I've got to get the Fascios. I I want some of those. And, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll eventually try to pick them all up, uh, and I guess that just goes back to the to the old schooling. You know, I mean, when we first started catching snakes and collecting snakes, you didn't know anything about breeding them. You were just trying to keep them alive, and you know, and yes. then when we did start breeding them, I mean, you know, we used to, you know, I, whenever I was catching alternatives, gray banded king snakes, you know, I mean, I used to hunt in the summers between. Oh, 1981 to about 88, you know, I would hunt 100, 120 nights a year. You know, I mean, nearly wow. every night, you know. Uh, and, and you know, the gray bands aren't hard, to, they're not easy to find. But, you know, we, we got to where we would only breed them if we caught them at the same locale, you know, within, you know, a quarter of a mile of, of each other. If not, we wouldn't breed them. I mean, that's just, you know, we're trying to keep the genetics pure and, you know, today that's not the case. I mean, they'll breed them with anything and everything. And uh, once you once you start 
you know, collecting animals of any species, it doesn't matter, and start looking at the different localities and the differences, the little idiosyncrasies and, you know, the subtle differences, I mean, they're there. You know, to the to the common layperson, they you know, um, you know, an alterna is an alterna is an alterna. Whenever you're collecting them for several years like that, you can look at one and and come with them pretty close to telling somebody where it came from. You know. Yeah, but well, that's that's the interesting part about it, and it, you're right. Sure. People have been mixing stuff up, and I think that's what the popularity is today with the wild type leopard geckos. I mean, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I think it's it's more uh, the the wild type. You know, some people are going to be like you. They're going to look at them and say, "Oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. It's big, but you know, it, where's the orange or you know, where, where's the pattern? <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they're they're looking for the the cool morphs that they're seeing online, and and I can appreciate that as well. You know, but uh, and and I think I think in the future you're going to see. We've discussed this before on the phone on one, on some of our you know, late-night druid worship where we've set up and talked to the wee hours of the morning, I think you're going to see in time uh, a lot of things revert back to instead of having, you know, five different combo morphs in one animal, you're going to see it revert back to one, maybe two, and people are really, really, really going to specialize on that and, and make it the best it can be. I mean, you know, they've done it with the sun glows. You know, there's two or three different lines of sun glows out there, and, and tangs, and you know, I mean, you, you can see where people start line breeding that stuff, and making it really, really good, and 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 loud colors, and you know, I mean, and, and I think that's what you're going to see across the board for everything. Right now, it's oh wow, how many genes can I put in there, or how many different, you know, uh, different genetic combos can I put together, and what's it going to look like? We're still at that at that stage right now. What's it going to look like? And yeah, right. I think once everybody starts, everybody starts seeing, okay, this is what it's going to look like, and they're going to pick their own, you know, whatever it may be. If it's a, you know, uh, uh, an orange gecko, a yellow gecko, a purple gecko, green gecko, whatever, they're really mm-hmm. going to start mainstream line breeding and and come up with some really really neat stuff and. And it's going to be, you know, well, it's, it's just like, you know, right, like right now, you know, Ron's got the bandits, you know, and and Marsha's got the sun glows, you know, and look at the stuff that John's doing with with his tangerines. I mean, they're amazing, you know, and you got people doing different things with the rainwaters, you know, with the firewaters and all that good stuff. I mean, it, it's, everybody's going to find their little, what they like, what they enjoy looking at, you know, because at the end of the day, if it's it's what you enjoy uh, that makes you work harder for a common good. You know, you're trying to you're trying to make something that you like, and hopefully everybody else will too. But at the end of the day, if it looks good, everybody's going to like it, no matter what it is. You know. Oh yeah, now that's that's true. And if it's beautiful, it'll sell too. That's that's the other thing. People will want yeah. will want to add it to their collection. You know, um, you know, you've got quite a bunch of projects though. Like you're trying to, you're trying to cover all the bases, which I, which I think is really well, cool. Well, you know, and, I, not really. I mean, if, if you really look at it, I'm, I'm pretty narrow. I mean, I've, you know, I've got a lot of Tremper stuff because that was the first uh, place I looked, you might say. 
And then, uh, you know, I've picked up some other things, but I, I have one rainwater animal in my collection. I just got it from Steve. Oh, well, that's, that's true. That's yeah. it. I don't have any. I don't have any rainwater stuff at all. But for your first year, they have very little bell. I mean, diverse. I'm not, yeah, I've, I've got a few different bell stuff, you know, that I picked up here and there, you know, but I really don't have a, a wide variety of the bell stuff either. I've got, you know, I, I picked up, you know, the nice uh, lavender gem snow uh, bell from from John, and then turned around and and got the white and yellow mail from him. That is just, I need to post pictures of him. He is crazy. he that is stunning. Crazy. Yeah, oh he's God, stunning. Yeah. I mean, it, it was funny. I picked it up when it was pretty young, and John held on to it for, oh, I don't know, two or three months before he shipped it. And and I, I remember one day he said, you about ready for this for this stuff? Because I had Turkmenicus coming and a few other things, you know, Montana. So, I mean, he, he was sitting on several animals. And I said, yeah, and he, he sent me a picture. He said, I don't know why I sold this animal to you. He said, look at this. <laughs> and, I mean, it is just incredible. I know that is even so, the female is beautiful. The gem snow female yeah. is so pretty. He glows. You know, and that was really another glows. one. He was he was he was gonna that was a holdback, but it turned out to be female, and not male. So he put it up for sale. And I remember talking to you and telling you, "Hey, have you looked at this animal? You know, I'm I'm thinking about getting it. It was just really really nice." Now, what did I so, tell you? Oh, I have it. Yeah, yeah. You told me snag it. You know, yeah. and then then you always your, your caveat at the end of that. Yeah, go ahead and get it, but. You know, I, I would get anything or everything, so don't listen to me. I think that's what you always tell me. Well, that's my, yes, that is my, my uh, just my little default disclaimer. I am a, a total enabler uh, for anybody that has an addiction with geckos or reptiles. So, yeah, and, you know, it's like I'm pretty much a pusher, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm definitely. Well, I'm you definitely know, and that, you know, that's the thing you were asking me earlier, you know, why leopard geckos and, Man, if you know, and the main reason is for me is like I say, I'm trying to use this as a, you know, get, while I enjoy keeping them and 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 doing all that as well, I'm really using it to educate Cade on genetics, and you know, when you have something that is prolific or, as these guys are, it's easy to, you know, in a short period of time, you know, say, okay, this is what you've got, this is what you got, okay, what is this? You know, and, and try to explain to him, you know, in simple terms, what's going on. Uh, and, and you know, whenever you're, you're breeding, you know, pythons or boas or, or you know, snakes in general, you know, you could be waiting to grow a snake up for two or three years before you get to breed it. You know, and yeah. heck, you can you can breed a leopard gecko in a year. Now, I don't know the agamanias. You know, John is saying two years, so I, you know, they're a little different. So. I bet you they'll be. I guess I, I, they say two years, but I'm thinking that once they become acclimated, I'm betting that you might, you guys might be able to cut that time down a little bit. That's just my gut feeling on it. You know, I'm I'm watching them, and and uh, you know maybe I I think it will be. Uh, I think it's going to be at least 18 months. She was my female was born in August, and I think it'll be next January, February before she goes. Really? I yeah. really do. I think, well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. Of course, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. Well, in nature, I'm, I'm thinking the wild types that we're dealing with. I mean, macularis, macularis, 
Montanas, Turkmenicus, any of me, Fascios, they're probably two years in a while. We're growing yeah, stuff in captivity a whole lot faster than it's going to grow in the wild. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, well, that, well, that's the other thing. That's my point, though. If you, you know, once we start, you know, having a lot more captive generations and, you know, it's more or less not domestic. Well, I guess you can call it domesticating where we're starting to domesticate yeah. them and they become, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that in time, you know, things will change. It may not, you may not need the two years, but then again, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not working. It's just a feeling. Well, I and, and you're, you're probably right. I mean, I, I feel like, and, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, the animals that, that, you know, with all the different morphs and stuff that people have been working with, you know, I mean, you know, basically what we're looking at 10 years since all this has really kicked in and, and taken off and, and you know we have we have domesticated these guys in a rapid rate because they are so prolific, and you can do things so fast. Uh, and, and you know just it, just you take any of the, the the wild types, and you 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 know you try to handle them like you do, you know your sun glow or whatever, and, and they don't act the same. You know they're they're a little more skittish. They're they're you know I mean. I can come in and turn the light on and boy, all those wild types, boom, they just hit it, you know, heading for their hide. Whereas, <laughs> you know, all this other stuff's looking at me saying, hey, you going to throw some worms in here? You know, and so, it, yeah, and you're probably right. You know, a few years down the road, uh, get them in captivity. You get a few captive bred generations under everybody's belt. They're probably going to change. Well, we'll see. You know, we'll see that. what happens. Yeah, and I'm wondering how the appearance will look. I'm wondering if just being in captivity will start uh, changing their appearance somewhat, you know? Um, well, it's amazing. Hey, exactly, and it, it is going to. I mean, you know, I, I try to, and, and I, like I say, I'm weird, I guess, you know, but I try to keep everything as pure as I can keep it on the wild stuff. You know, I haven't crossed anything into it, or or I hadn't crossed them into anything that I've got because, like I say, I'm keeping everything in other words, if I got it from you, I'm breeding your stuff. If I got it from John, I'm breeding John's stuff. If I got it from Ron, I'm breeding Ron's stuff. That way I get a feel of what is going on there that you guys have been working mm-hmm. on for years. Mm-hmm. You know, now in time I'm going to I'm gonna spread out and, and, you know, try to figure something out on my own and maybe play with something. But, but back to your question, I think you're right. I think a lot of the stuff, these wild imports that are coming in, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, that, that everybody's getting, you know, once again, who knows? You know, there there may be a gene in there that that somebody's going to find, you know. I mean, you know, the Holy Grail, everybody's still looking for, you know, a pure melanistic gecko, and, and it, it's going to happen, you know. And I think, I think when you start bringing in wild blood, uh, you know, and introduce, you know, you don't know what you're getting. I mean... You know, look, we got three different albinos that probably all came from pretty narrow gene pool in the day. Um, you know, and I mean they're all different. But well, I hope we don't get another albino exactly. strain. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> I true. That just, I mean, that it, was, it's already that was just, tough enough. Oh god, yeah. Well, I mean, just imagine all the drama and everything. Uh, that'll incur with something like that. I mean, oh my God! You know, everything is just starting to kind of calm down out there, from what I can tell. And if, if all we need is something like that just to stir the pot up again, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah well, you, you know, here, here's the other thing. I mean, back in the 80s when everybody, you know, first started really uh, trying to breed stuff, you know, uh, it was a very narrow window. I mean, you could only get animals at a few places. You know, there was no Internet. You know, there were... There were no, I mean, you had to get a price list, you know. I mean, you either got a price list, you know, there were two or three big guys around, and you would look at their price list every month. You know, now look at it. I mean, you you know, you can go anywhere and find, you know, uh, captive-bred reptiles. Um, yep. Look at all the different shows that are scattered around. I, I can remember in the old days, you know, here's, I'm telling I'm you know, given my age here, but, I went to the first Snake Breeders Expo in Orlando in 1987, the first one. You know, and that was a big Jeez, deal back yeah. then. You yep. know, I mean, I flew out to Florida and went went and saw that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, look at all this stuff. I mean, I'd seen some, I was looking at things that, you know, I'd only read about or seen pictures of, you know, and, and, uh, and I mean, there, you know, there were, there were no uh, leopard geckos that I can even remember at that one. You know, I mean, I don't remember, you know, it was all mostly snakes, um, but, you know, and other things. But, I mean, you know, look now, there's there's snake shows everywhere every weekend, or, or reptile shows. You Pretty know, much, I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and back, and, and that's great. I mean, that's good because, you know, I mean, we didn't have pet smarts back then or any of that stuff either. You know, you had a local pet store that might every once in a while have a, have a snake or a box turtle in there or something like that, you know, never did you see, you know, all the amphibians and, and stuff that you see today. Tarantulas, oh, you got to be kidding me. There were no spiders being kept back in those days that I know of. You know, I'm no, sure there were people yeah. that were doing it, but, but, but look how widespread it is now. There may oh, be yeah, more well, people that... keeping tarantulas than, than there are leopard geckos. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that. My uh, friend Anastasia from Netbug, you know, we've been with each other yeah. at a few of the shows, Hamburg and um, New York and White Plains, and her table, you can't even get near it. I mean, I I never would have expected um, tarantulas to be that popular, but she brings with her, I don't know, several hundred or maybe even a thousand for each show, and they're all little slings. They're little babies, baby spiders right. and, and little little vials, whatever those little containers are. And you yep, can't get near her table, Daryl. You can't get anywhere near it. Well, and and that's the so. thing. You know, the thing about spiders is, you know, they're they're intriguing. Most people are afraid of them to begin with, you know. Right. And and I kind of I, I I wasn't a big spider guy. You know, I thought they were neat. There's a lot of neat colors, you know, and, and different things like that. But that's the thing. I mean, you can go buy, you know, a sling from her. You know, I mean, depending on what it is, but something common, you can get it for ten or twelve bucks. You know, yeah, but she's got a lot of You know, if you want to get, yeah, she's got a lot of the rare stuff. You're right. I mean, you can, you know, the sky's the limit. You can spend whatever you want. You know, and they're, you know, the thing about spiders is they're pretty durable. I mean, you know, I mean, they don't, you know, I mean, once they get, you know, the slings are kind of tough. If you let them, you know, if you don't keep them moist, they'll they'll desiccate and die. But, you know, they they feed relatively easy. You know, you just they they don't take a whole lot of attention. They're they're not a you know some people do handle them, but they're not a big touchy feely critter. You know I mean they're more of look at you know don't touch. But uh, mm-hmm. you can handle them. But you know the man the irritating hairs are tough. You talk about itch. You think you itch with mealworms? 
<laughs> you get some of those some of those spiders that are hair kickers, and man, they, they just you know the nandus and stuff like that. They just tear you up. You, you swear you That's stuck funny. your hand in a fire ant bed. But, you know, I mean, it, but yeah, so I, I think that's a deal. You know, they don't take up a whole lot of space. They they don't take a whole lot of care. I mean, if you know what you're doing, you know, I mean, they're they're pretty durable. I mean, you know, I I, I hate to say this, but I, I had a baby sling that I'd had for a year or two, and uh, had put it in a in a on a shelf in the back, and I forgot about the thing for like six months. You oh know, and, I, and one day, I, yeah, I, I, you know, it was back behind another cage, and it was in a little bitty vial like you're talking about. And I pulled it out, and I thought, oh, this thing's going to be dead. Shoot, no, it had shed. It was in there just fine. You know, gave it a little <laughs> bit of water and, and you know, threw a piece of mealworm in there, and it was just happy as it had good sense. You know, and I mean, six months with nothing. That's interesting. Well, you know, that's like a perfect low-maintenance pet, and they don't bite. Yes, it is. They're not. If you're not tormenting them or being rough with them, they don't bite you. They, they are very, very calm spiders. They just walk all over you and stuff, right? I mean, that's pretty much what I've seen. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, I mean, there's certain ones that are a little more jumpy than others, but, you know, most of the most of the, the New World stuff, you know, uh, like things we have around here in New Mexico and down in the tropics, you know, most of those are, are pretty docile terrestrial stuff. Now, when you start talking old world, and you get into the baboons and things like that, you're they get a little more, you know, bite your face off mentality. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll stick with my left projectors, I think. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, folks. Listen, but, um, we're coming up at the halfway point here, and um, I want to. We do have some callers already lined up in the queue. Um, we're going to take a quick break and. In the second half of the show, guys, I want you guys to call in with your comments, questions, whatever you want. All right, Daryl and I are going to have this uh, be a very casual episode. Guys, just want to talk about anything in particular. There's no topic that you need to stick with. Whatever you guys want. All right. And of course, we're going to do our raffle uh, for callers. I haven't figured out what it's going to be. Um, anything you want to give, Daryl? If you don't have anything, I'll maybe I'll give a gecko tonight. We'll see. So, what do you got? What do you think? Hey, I may do that. Why don't Why don't I do that? Uh, I need to practice on shipping one of these things anyway. I don't know <laughs> okay. what. You know what well, I mean? You have, you have a, I don't mind doing yeah, that. That's cool. Yeah. All right. You don't You don't have to figure out what yeah. kind or anything tonight. So just uh, so that just keep it uh you know keep it in mind. All right, folks. So there you have it. We're gonna We're gonna give a gecko out tonight for uh, for the raffle. So um, second half of the show, right after the break. The number is 646-478-5331. Call in with something cool, and uh, we'll be right back, folks. Hang tight. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source 
for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit supremegecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets, For your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. All right, folks, and I just want to remind you all that there is still the ongoing um, coupon code with ebdragons.com. You get 5% off your Dubia roaches and your uh, FlexWatt heat tape. Um, The code is GECKO, all in caps. All right, so check out our sponsor, ebdragons.com. I just want to remind everybody we have one more sponsorship spot available and uh, contact me at gecko uh, nation radio at gmail.com uh, but Daryl you you uh, expressed some interest in possibly uh, grabbing the sponsorship spot but you haven't come up with a name for your uh, operation yet what's going on yeah that's a, you know I was just sitting here thinking of that while I was on mute and uh, and you you brought all that up we've got an hour left in the show right yeah let's uh let's let's see uh Let's see what our folks can uh, can muster up. We've got some very bright and intelligent people there, quite a few in the chat room. Guys, I'm looking for something. I've got to have a name. You know, I, I said I wasn't going to do this, and Dave kept telling me, yeah, right, you're going to have to. You can't keep everything. And and so it has come down to that. And uh, I hope Chris Grubb is listening because uh, he said he was going to, <laughs> a local Texas guy here in Dallas. He stole my name. He came I was going to do Lone Star Gecko, and uh, Chris beat me to it. So uh, I thought I'd arm wrestle him for it, but I got to looking at his pictures of his wedding. He looks like a pretty big guy, so I don't think I could win that one either. <laughs> so I think, he's a, I think he's a weightlifter as well. So anyway, maybe if he let me use both hands and both feet, maybe I might could do it. But anyway, guys, think about it. I really like the uh, the Texas side of it. Um uh, being in the something big state Texas of Texas. Themed. Yeah, something Texas theme, but I'm open for anything, you know. I uh you know, I've been kicking it around and and uh you know, I mean, you you, you think of a lot of things and and uh you know, I like, you know, me and you've talked about it, you know, and I like the idea of maybe getting away from just the gecko side of it and going exotics or something like that because there will be other animals in the future, I hope. Uh, <laughs> You're not done. You yet. know, if I if I can if I can convince my wife, you know, snakes is, is my true love. And Cade wants a pied ball python so bad he can't see straight. He held one at Ron's <laughs> last time we was there, and I thought he was going to try to carry it home with him. But I took him. Here's another thing, Dave. You know you, you know this. I went to uh, 
Fort Davis last weekend. Uh, went to visit the in-laws in Alpine and and uh, took cage snake hunting for the first time in his life. We went snake hunting two nights in a row, and the first oh, thing we run across is a black. Oh yeah, first thing we run across is a black neck garter, and uh, a buddy of mine, Buzz Ross, who's a dear friend and is in the hospital because he got snake bit Wednesday night by an Arizona black. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's about the fourth time. So, uh, oh my God. But anyway, not by an Arizona black, but he's been bit several times. Anyway, he was with us. He jumps out and he picks his snake. Well, Cade wanted to bring it home. And I said, no, 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 we're not taking a garter snake home. So, But anyway, uh, we we had fun, and he had, it was his first time. You know, by about midnight, he uh, he pooped out and was asleep. But, but he had a big time, so we did it two nights. Rained. I mean, we need the rain. I can't bitch about that, but, you know, I mean, they're – some places in the Permian Basin here got 10 inches of rain over the weekend. Uh, we got like two and a half here in Midland, and about a, about two inches up in the in the mountains. But and we need it. I mean, we were way we're still behind. But but yeah, so it was fun. And and yeah, the people in the Gecko Nation, think about that. See if y'all can help me come up with a name for well for the old. We have. Uh, I think we're gonna have some good suggestions. We have about uh, I don't know a bunch of people lining up. I don't know how many callers. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm going to start taking calls. We'll take the one that's been on the longest, and I think I know who this is. I kind of recognize the phone number. Caller from the 440 area code, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Is this Rob? Hello. 440. How's it going? Good. You're on the air. Yeah. I was actually just listening. Well, you got to come up with something to say oh. now. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you need the name. I was actually <laughs> just listening and watching uh, Matt's auction. <laughs> what do you think? What's we, uh, what should we call his uh, operation? Um, I have no idea. I'm not good at coming, like making up creative things. Me either. All right. Well, Rob, don't worry. Okay. I'm not either. Um. All right. We'll figure it out, Rob. Go go watch Matt's auction. Hope you win. Let me. I'll pick the next call. <laughs> call her from the. All right, later, bro. Call her from the two five three. We know this is this is Elsa. Elsa, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Yeah, hi guys. How you doing? Good. Have, Great, Elsa. How are you? I have some observation. I was. I, I did geckos a few years, oh, quite a few years ago. First, only tokays, but. They were, mm-hmm. looking back, they were all wild caught. They all came from the same, you know, bad place. And I finally gave up on it because I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know where to go for help. There wasn't anything back then. Right. And I really liked them, though. And so a few years ago, when I noticed all of the information out there on the Internet, I started to take notice again, and I couldn't help myself. Last last year, after trying to do a lot of research on my own, I finally started getting back in the geckos. And, and my observation is this. The herp community is really, really out to help everybody else. The information is there. Uh, they really want to help. They really want to get other people going and started. The encouragement is there. And it, it just gives me the courage to, you know, 
you know, to just go on to, you know, to, I know I can do this since everybody else is out there doing it and helping me and, and giving me encouragement and all this information is out there in the form of, you know, you know, everything out there. I mean, it's just, do you feel, do you feel that too, Daryl? Do you feel the embrace of the community? Absolutely. You know, also like I, like you're saying, I, I, I have, I did, you just struck a nerve with me. The first gecko I ever had was in 1979, and my high school biology teacher gave me a Tokay gecko that he had imported. He imported a bunch of them. And you're right, they were beautiful. And, of course, they were meaner than a junkyard dog, too, you know. But And, and that was it. You know, I mean, luckily for me, he knew how to take care of them, so I, I, had, I had somebody that I could glean off of. But other than that, if you didn't know somebody in the old days, you read every book in the library. You you know, if you didn't know somebody that had some experience or could point you into somebody that that knew how to do it, you were just on your own, and it was it was trial and error. And and you know, and and I mean, believe you me, we were doing a lot of things wrong back in the old days, for sure. Right. But yeah, I I, I believe that with the internet, there's a lot of valuable information out there. There's some that's probably not as valuable, but right. you know most people are very, very, very helpful, uh, and, and you know everybody is 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 out for the common good of the animals. I think, and you know, I mean, there's always going to be a few bad apples around, and you just have to weed those out. But you're right, for the most part, uh, lots of lots of encouragement, and lots of help out there. Right. All right. Okay, thanks. thanks. In, Elsa. Bye. Thanks, Elsa. All right. Yeah, I forgot see, about that, Dave. Okay, yeah, get after yeah. it. I'm I'm sitting here. Um, and don't forget, before the end of the show, I want I want you to tell us that story about uh, that teacher in school, which is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let me know. It, it's kind of it's. I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it short, but that, that is a good one. Yeah. All right. Let's see who's been on the longest here. All right, caller from the 803 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey Dave, this is Dylan. What's up, Dylan? How are you, bud? Hi, Dylan. Hey, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? Um, hey, Daryl. Um, I have a question. Hey. Um, uh, uh, my friend in the UK, he said that there's a, uh, a rumor that there's a new hypogene going around, and hmm. they think it's codominant. And I was just wondering, if, have you guys heard about it, and what are your thoughts on it? I have not heard about a new hypogene. Um, does it look anything? Have you seen it yet, Dylan? I haven't seen it yet. I'm I'm gonna see it soon. He's gonna show me some pictures, but um, I'll definitely tell you what I what I think of it when I see it. Is this like um, that? Wouldn't su- that wouldn't by- surprise me? I'm I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say. Is this was this discovered by? Uh, someone well known, or is it just the uh, like? Um, my, the, my friend said that the guy that that it has it at this time is a really well known breeder in the UK. It's kind of under wraps, so I can't say any names. But okay, yeah, that, uh, well, you know, there, there's always going to be stuff like that crop up. I mean, it doesn't yeah. surprise me. You're going to see all kinds of. In my opinion, we're we're just you know it's like an iceberg. We're only looking at the tip of it so far, and you're going to see a lot of things in the future. Mm-hmm. That we are not seeing today, and and uh, 
most of those, you know, here's, here's the thing. David and I have talked about this before. There's probably been things that have been hatched out already that whoever hatched it was like me and a newcomer and didn't even realize what it was. And it wasn't any big deal. Yeah. And it probably got given away, sold to a pet store, and died in somebody's collection that didn't know what the heck they were doing. I mean, there's no telling how many things like that have already happened that we don't even know about. So yeah. uh, hypogene's a little touchy, though. I mean, maybe. I mean, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to yeah, see a picture of it. Yeah, about more than half of the people that have asked about it think it's total BS. But I mean, you don't really ever know until you prove it out and really know the gene. You know what I mean? Well, you're always going to have... I was talking with, uh, just to give you a correlation, Dylan, I was talking with Matt the other day, and uh, we Mm -hmm. were talking about the different snow lines, and, uh, you know, because, you know, the tug, the the, the the gym uh, are both dominant, you know, if anybody could just, you know, take take a gym snow, right, and say it popped out of their collection and say, oh, I found a new snow line. And you know, yeah, and pull a different snow. I mean, true, true, true. Right. I mean, you, if you breed a gem to this so-called new snow line, you know, of course you're just you're not going to get any supers. So it's kind of like that too. Like, what if? I'm, I mean, we have to trust people too. We have to try to take people at their word. But you know, these things need to be investigated as thoroughly as we can, and we got to go on the merit of the Absolutely. person that's bringing it to the community. And yeah, and you know, some people have better reputations than others, and. Uh- it's uh, you know we'll, we'll see. I mean I, I'm I'm actually optimistic. I'm hoping I'd love to get another gene to work with. We need more genes. I oh think. yeah. I mean we have a million now, but <laughs> I think we could always use more. <laughs> Except for no more no more albinos. I don't want any more albinos. Yeah. No. <laughs> Unless they're like maybe a true maybe a true one. albino would be nice. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, or like a fantastic real leucistic. Yeah. Oh yeah, real oh. yeah, real leucistic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a real leucistic, a real albino. I mean, yeah. you know, you know. Yeah, Still, cool. I'm telling oh, you, the holy grail, the holy grail is the is the melanistic. Oh yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Hey Dylan, why don't you make? Because when that crops up, you... boy, that's going to change Say everything. What? I was saying, Dylan, why don't you make this uh, your job to follow up on this uh, gene and keep us posted in the group and. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know I will. Yeah, let us. Let and us come also, Daryl, a name that I came up with you for you was um, yes, Lone Star Leos. <laughs> Dave came up with that one earlier. Ah, uh, and uh, I, I didn't even know. He, uh, I just that was the first thing that came to mind. Well, no, nobody knew that. He he told me that way. It's probably been a month ago, huh, Dave? Yeah, something like that. that. There you go. That's confirmation. Yeah, but, yeah <laughs> you know, and I. Uh, I like it as well, but you know, then then Dave, you know, he you know he throws a monkey wrench in everything, you know, and he says, you know, do you really want to get tied to the gecko side of it or the leopard gecko? He said, you you know, you really got to cover all the bases. So, you know, my son's big, uh, his big push in life is he wants to have a pet store and he wants to call it Reptiles Universe. Now I don't know if that's ever been done or whatever, but but that's really his what he wants to call it. But so everybody has. A I don't know. Exactly. It, well, his dream is this. You know, he says, uh, I said, well, you, you know, you got you to learn how to breed animals. you got to learn how to take care of animals. you got you know, all this, that, and the other, clean cages. Nah, Dad, you can do that. I'll just work the register. <laughs> <laughs> Smart guy. you got to put in work. 
Oh, he's pretty That's good. <laughs> cool. All right, Dylan. Well, thanks, thanks, Dylan. I will in. take that under advisement. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, All right. Later, bud. All right. Let's see. Who's been on? Well, wow, we got a lot of callers tonight. All right. Caller from the um, all right, 508. 508 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Dave, Daryl. This is Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hi, How Rachel. Doing well. I've been enjoying the show so far. Awesome. And I have to say, well, great. Uh, I hope you we were hadn't saying, been you. Oh, no. What you were saying about the uh, getting back to more of the pure gene lines and stuff, I'm really feeling that. You know, I've been looking at maybe breeding in a few years, and I've been looking at geckos, and it's really difficult to kind of find things without the hats, especially eclipse. It's like everybody loves eclipse exactly. except me. So, yeah, exactly. Not like uh, my I think, vision I think, to try uh, to... I think you're smart. I think you're smart in doing that. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be quite a mission, though, to get, like, the uh, pure geckos to start working with because definitely people are into mixing all the traits they can right now. Well, you're going to have to go to the bigger guys. They'll always have a few things that are that are cleaner. Um, you know, you take the the just hobbyist, for lack of a better term, somebody that's breeding 15, 20, 30 geckos, they probably are mixing a bunch of stuff up, but these bigger guys are smarter than that. They'll they'll keep a few things clean. Now, whether or not they'll let you have any is the, the, the next question, but most <laughs> yeah, of them will have a, a trick, few of those. Huh? Mm-hmm. All right, but if you so twist your arm long enough and you keep... Yes, go ahead. All right, so this kind of stems from a discussion that was going on on Gecko Forums a little while ago. Um, you know, we started we started a debate, debate going about um, breeding pet store Leos, which I don't really want to get into, but towards the end of the thread we were talking about how, you know, breeders have gotten bitten by kind of having, you know, hidden heads and things. And so I was, like, surprised that people don't really do, like, lineages and family trees for geckos. I mean, you think you'd want to show, for example, if you've been breeding something for, like, three generations, you'd want to kind of show that off. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Do breeders, you know, habitually provide stuff like that? Do buyers ask for it? You know, or is it something we should be doing? That's a great question. Well, here's my take on then I'll, then I'll, Yeah, that is great. And I'll, I'll let Dave, Dave can probably do it. Rachel, for me, well, first, I, I will right? do that. I will, I will keep, uh, I will keep very detailed records on that for that general purpose. But I think it all boils down to, like you did, the last part of your question was, do people ask for that? And I, I would say nine times out of ten, no. You know, unless you're serious, uh, and most people don't realize the ins and outs of genetics anyway, and so they don't know that they need to know that, uh, for lack of a better term. So, you know, for somebody like me, yeah, I'm going to ask a few questions, maybe not always the right ones. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning more about it as I go. But, but yes, I, I think guys like Dave, Dave can probably answer it, but I think the big guys do keep, uh, keep uh, records on the lineage. Now, whether or not they tell you, I mean, you, if you ask them, they will. I mean, I've never had any, Ron, John, Dave, I've never had any of them say when I ask them, you know, what, what do we got going on here? And they've all told me. You know, well, this is this and this is that, and, you know, mama was this and blah, 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 blah. So they know. Now, most people don't ask that question. That's my opinion. What say you, David? uh, Yeah, well, I'll add to it. Um, Asking the right questions is key, especially when you're starting out, because if you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get – basically what it is is unless you're – I'm trying – let me see how how to do this politically correct. 
All right. Well, I'll give you my experience. When I when I first started out, okay, I didn't ask the right questions. So there was information I just didn't get. And, um, you know, I kind of was treated as a newbie and definitely taken advantage of because I just didn't know better and I didn't know the right questions to ask. And I was told animals that weren't in the best of health and weren't, you know, genetically, you know, what they were being sold as and because I just didn't ask the right questions. And pull out there sellers that will gauge your intelligence by the questions you ask. And it's a dead giveaway what level you're at by the type of questions you're asking. So that being said, it's kind of like going into a car dealership without having any experience on how to deal with a car dealer uh, or car salesman. You always want to bring somebody that knows how to talk to a car salesman with you so you can get the best deal. It's kind of just like that. Now, as far as keeping records, okay, now that's a very important thing to do. Now, as your collection grows into the hundreds and thousands of geckos, it becomes increasingly more difficult to do that. Now, I'm at the point where I have hundreds, and for me, so I, I have good records of, I, I know where all my lines came from. Every single one of my geckos that has produced anything, and, you know, they've been producing multiple generations now. So even one female that I got four years ago, there's, I don't know, 30, 50 descendants, some of them, some of them have now. So I can stem everything back to certain animals and where those animals came from, which breeders I got them from. That is so important if you're going to be doing this seriously and if you want to be taken seriously. Because if you can't go back, I mean, in the future, a lot of these genes um, are going to, I think they're going to be scrutinized even more because people are going to really want to know. So if you can't go back and say, all right, well, the the original lineage of this came from uh, uh, David Swine geckos or uh, gecko boa reptiles um, or a tremper, for instance, whatever, um, you know, it's you're going to have less of a chance of selling them to people, you know, serious hobbyists. Because the people that are going to be serious about it, those are the people that are going to have the money that are going to want to buy the higher-end animals. So, And those are the kind of customers you want. Unless you want to produce pet-only geckos, that's your thing. But if you're looking to do this seriously, yes, you need to keep accurate records. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm at the point right now where my collection is very big, and I'm actually trying to figure out ways to keep my records and uh, keep them easily. But like I said, I'm still discovering it myself, how to do it um, properly with such a large collection. But it is very important, Rachel. Yeah, I mean, it seems sometimes the way people label things, they almost forget after a generation, you know, what about the hets? It's kind of like you see 33 yeah. 66%, 50%, and then, you know, they just let it fall off. And that's where I think the lineage really would be better, and I'm glad to know that at least some well, people are keeping it, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Rachel, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Whenever you see these percentages, that's just it as a percentage. It's just possible head until you prove it uh, to the best of your ability. You're, you're not going to know for sure, uh, and you may still, you know, that, that's the thing. You take you take a female that that can produce, let's say, you know, 8 or 10 or 12 eggs in a season, and you can hatch all those eggs out, uh, and you're still not going to know for sure. You've got a pretty good idea. You've got a hunch, but you still don't know for sure, especially whenever yeah. you start dealing with, with several several different genes in there. Yeah, that's what worries me. I worry people are kind of like, you know, forgetting that they can't really prove something's not het. 
after you know one year of reading and kind of selling it, you know, as heck free. Yes. But yeah. Well, I would never. I would never. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I'd also uh, thanks, Rachel. I'd also add uh, that, um, for instance, like before, I'm going to go on the record on saying anything is 100% pure or, you know, 100% on anything. Like, for instance, the Mac Key Fascia Project from Marsha. Um, I've been working with it for three years now in, in order to prove it. And so far, I mean, after three seasons, I'm confident. Now, I, wait, I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't confident last year, but I'm confident this year that I can say that they're only possible head eclipse. So I have, you know, a line of awesome yeah. Max Snow E. Fasciolatus that is only possible head eclipse. So that's... But right. that's what you got to do. It's, it's going to take years um, for you to be oh, confident exactly. about these things. Yes, and some people are going to be more trustworthy than others at that. I mean, that's another. Well, exactly. I mean, there, there's always yeah, there's always you're you're right. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. record keeping is is vital. I mean, I do mine on note cards and on an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, that's that's good. I double I double dip. You know, I do. I, I mean, because uh, I'm just—I I guess I'm just anal that way when it comes to that. I mean, I've—I've I've been down this road before, breeding other things, and, and you know, you get in a situation where uh, I don't know what that is. Well, you never know when you never know when certain pertinent information will be important to you. Like even something that's, uh, you know, 25% head, you know, may come into play two years from now. Like. Oh yeah, let me check on that yes. that female. That's the grandmother of so and so. Let me find out if she is yep. uh, 25% eddy class. You know, you never you may need that information, and uh, right. you know that's that's a, that's important. But okay, let's go ahead and grab this next caller. Uh, let's see, caller from the five seven zero area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello. Hi, hi, caller. Hello. There. Oh yeah, hi. This is Dominic. Hey, Dominic. Hi, Dominic. Uh, good. How are you doing? Good, good. What can Wonderful. we do for you tonight? Um, I had a question about one of the leopard geckos that hatched out. It's like three times bigger than usual. Is this Dominic Brack? Yes. Hey, Dominic. Um, which which one is it that hatched out huge? It's a snow. And I asked Ron... And he said it's a possibility, but it would take about nine months. Well, uh, it's a possibility. Yeah, to what? determine whether it's giant or something. Yeah. Okay. What, what were the What were the parents? Uh, the parents were. Uh, let me see. I got an enigma, and then just the snow. I don't know the heads. So I have to prove it out. Oh, okay. Well, let's think about it this way. Um, now, when I hatch out giants, they are usually, even the eggs are bigger, so they are usually at least, you know, four to five grams right from the get. Usually normal leopard geckos are 2.5 to 3 grams at hatching, from what I've seen. Um, you know, and then, like, E. fasciolatus, I've been hatching them out at five grams, but giants will hatch wow. out sometimes at four and five grams. So if you now here's the other thing, uh, John Scarborough, for instance, believes that the giant gene may be recessive, and who knows? You know, I mean, it could be. Uh, so maybe you have a head giant. Um, for instance, Ron believes it's a, a dominant and co-dominant trait, but 
in his collection, it may act that way because he's got giant in basically everything. So maybe it's just, everything, you know, hatching yeah. out that way and it just appears to him as Kodama. I'm not saying he's wrong or, or John's wrong either, but you never know. But anyway, uh, maybe you do have giant did you, in there. Did However, you get the, did you get the, sorry, Dave, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if you didn't actually purchase actual giants from someone that's breeding with confirmed giants, there's no way to verify it and, there's no way that you would ever be able to put a name on it as an actual giant. So that's yeah. just to keep that in mind. But maybe you're just trying to did, figure it out. Did you get them? Did like you get them from Ron by chance, Dominic? Oh no, I would have known what they were hat for if I got from Ron. Okay, yeah. well, I was okay. just curious. So it's just random. Because I, I, I picked what? up. Have fun with it, Dominic. See what happens. Yeah. It, it was yeah. born on Mother's Day, and it's like three weeks old, and it's like 11 grams right now. Wow, yeah. Wow. Yeah, some of them just there you go. Huge and fast. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. crazy. You never know. Well, let's see, uh, post some pictures of it in the group. I'd like to see it, Dominic. Yeah, I'd like to see yeah. it. All right. All right. Thanks for calling in, bud. Thanks, Dominic. All right. Let's go ahead and grab that. Wow, that's call. big. Call that's big. Well, yeah. And, you know, that's, the, well, that's, that's, a, that's cool. I think it's cool, but. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, hatch out big geckos or buy a big gecko at a show, and they'll hit me up, and they'll say, Dave, well, you know, is this a giant? That, How do I know? That's, right, what, I've, you know? that's what I was going to say. You know, I've hatched out 17 babies now I've hatched, okay? And I just had two bandits that hatched over the weekend, and and they were four and a half grams, both of them. And they're from Ron. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything else, you're right, everything else I've hatched out, two to three grams. And both, I mean, everything the eggs were bigger. Yeah, but I know, you know, because I've hatched out two bandits from the same pair already, and they hatched out, you know, three grams. And then these two eggs hatch, and, I mean, you know, the babies are bigger, you know, and they're four, four and a half grams. But they're just, well, you know, I, I don't think they're giants, but they're just bigger. That, that, that was my point. I think I think uh, it just depends on the animals. I think anything that comes from Ron has the possibility of carrying the giant gene. I just, because... And all of his geckos run big. I mean, I've seen, um, for instance, um, I, I bought geckos from Ron, and big geckos will hatch out two and three generations down the line, like huge giants. Like, for instance, uh, Heather uh, from Airway Geckos just hatched out last year this huge gecko. And I, I have it in the collection. Right. I'm actually going to put it up for sale soon. This, it's obviously a giant, and it comes from Ron's lineage. So it's, you know, it's, I mean, the parents weren't sold to me as giants, but the gecko's like 100 grams. I mean, it, it's huge. And it, it's, it, I just think that it's in his stuff. And if you go back in his in his history, he, he tells you, like, the same gecko, Bubba, has produced all these yeah. large geckos. So, and he's done a well, lot my of two, my two raptors. Yeah, the two raptors, mm-hmm. the, the two pastel raptors that I got from him, I got them, they were, say, 15, 17 grams. They were pretty small. You right. know, and now both of those, you know, I've and I've I've conversed with him back and forth. You know, both of them are 85. You know, the male's probably getting close to 90 grams now, 85, 90 grams. You know, and that's you know, Ron said, well, you got lucky. I usually don't sell them that small. He said, but you probably got giants out of them. You know, and and I, yeah. I think you're right. Coming from Ron, you never know. That's right, and they're they're just. I like that though. I like the fact that his geckos just run big. Yeah, just hardy, they're, robust. They're nice. So yeah. They're, yep. Mm. Give All us right, another call. Yep, next caller from the 214 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, Daryl. Hey, David, Sean. 
What's up, hey, John? Hey, How are you? How you guys? Doing good, guys. Sorry, I got in a little bit late. I was uh, running some errands, but um, uh, I have a question okay. for you, Daryl. Since you were a breeder okay. of snakes and rodents and things like that, what's besides the besides the morphs and learning the genetics? What's what's the one thing that you've had the most difficult time with, and one piece of advice that you can give someone that's just starting out breeding? Ah, great question. Oh, good question. Uh, the best thing that I, the, the best advice I can give you is is keep an open mind, because it's not it's not daunting. It just seems that way. It's like you know there, there's you know you hear people all the time. Don't be scared of it. You know like like whenever you first start messing with a computer, you're afraid you're going to break it. It's the same thing with genetics. You just got to wrap your mind around it, and it's mathematics. And a lot of people don't like mathematics, but when you're dealing with the recessive genes, I mean it, it is just it is just that. I mean, it's just like eye color in humans. It's you know, I mean, it's a recessive dominant trait. That's the easiest one to deal with. What confuses people, I think, in the gecko business, is whenever you start dealing with the polygenetic traits, the line bred yeah. traits. You know that that really confuses people because, yes, when you do it for generation after generation after generation, it acts like a recessive, but in reality, it's not. You know, so that confuses people. And they say, yeah. well, is it a recessive trait or is it not? No, it's not. But whenever you do it long enough, it acts like one. So mm. that, that's the big thing. You know, keep an open mind. You know, Ron's book is really great at explaining that. Uh, you know, you can you can find a lot of stuff online that, that will go into great details and, and really confuse you. But it, it's it's not that difficult. You just got to comprehend what's going on and and. And pay attention, you know, I mean, a recessive trait, you've got to have it on both sides. You know, just like blue eye color, we'll get into that in a minute, but, you know, blue eye <laughs> color is a double recessive trait. You know, you if you've got blue eyes, you know, your mother and your father had blue eyes, or your father had brown eyes, but he was carrying a blue eye gene. See, that confuses everybody, Yeah. you know, and, but, no, but I, it, it's I, really I, not that... Well, what kind of what kind of pitfalls have you hit though breeding leopard geckos besides genetics? Uh, the pitfalls. The yeah, only you pitfalls. Know snakes, that... you know snakes and rodents are different, so. Yeah, exactly. What, uh, yeah, you know what? What's been your biggest learning? Uh, the biggest learning curve you've had to deal with breeding leopard geckos besides you know besides snakes and and, and genetics behind. Leo you know, I, I guess I guess with with me understanding a little bit about genetics to begin with and being in the snake game, uh, yeah, you had a leg I, up. I, yeah, I had a leg up. So I was I was really you, you can ask Dave. You know, I bounced a lot of stuff off of him, but I knew what I was looking for whenever I was buying you know my original animals that I've got, and I knew what I wanted, and that's what I you know I I, I cut out the middleman. I didn't go in for a lot of het stuff. You know, I wanted to, you know, if if I wanted, uh, you know, an extreme emmerine, that's what I got. I didn't, I didn't, well, what can I get to make an extreme emmerine? Or what can I get to to make, you know, a, whatever, you know, a radar, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I knew kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, and, and then I, I bounced a lot of questions off of Ron first and then Dave and then I've talked to John, you know, but... The the only thing that I did that that was uh, a little little contradicting to that is is the last time I went and saw Ron, I told him I said, okay, I want a pair of something 
that is going to throw a lot of variables. So I can show Cade, you know, here's Mama, here's Daddy, and look at all this diverse stuff that, that we got out of it. And so he ended up giving me or selling me a uh, 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 blood emerine white and yellow female and a blood emerine male. So it's going to throw, a, you know, a gambit of different things. You know, and that, that's the only one that I really went, you know, a little different with. But all my stuff yeah. is pretty clean, you know, pretty straight and straightforward. Because I was worried about knowing that the genetics in the leopard geckos is pretty pretty muddied up as far as terminology and the way things are working. I went pretty straight and narrow, so whenever I bred it, I knew what to look for and say, okay, this is this, this is that. So there's not going to be a whole lot of guessing games. But Yeah, but yeah, it's no... Did the snows throw you off? Because snow and the snake is completely different from gecko. So when you first started, it's completely it's different. Kind of a, yeah, yeah, because yeah, what you exactly. call snow and the, and the snakes are completely different from the snow. That's the biggest thing I exactly. do when I'm talking to my friends that are breeders of snakes. They're like, "This one is snow." Well, yeah, it is. Because <laughs> you're doing yeah, the you're, you're right. Uh, yeah, that, snake. Yes, you're you're right because the snow is definitely a recessive trait in snakes. You know, like corn snakes and stuff, but. Yeah, that is a little different, and especially you know, uh, you know, whenever you start dealing with a different different snow lines, and then the line bred, you know, Albie's line bred mm-hmm. snow. I mean, that throws a different kink into things all the way Absolutely. around, and and that confuses people, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it, and, you, I, and you I'm know, still you had, not. You had a you, you had a good you had a good uh, beginning though because you, you you dealt with snakes. Right. I know that the terminology was a little different, but you did have a leg up, like on the. the the genetics behind how to do what you know, how to get to that point, what what you wanted to get to. So, um, and right. what I've seen, you're doing a, you're doing a great job. So, um, but I wanted to touch well, real quick on what you were talking well, about. <laughs> well, I just wanted to touch real quick. And I'll let you guys go. But I was um, you were talking about tracking, and I, I caught you know some of that conversation. I, I forget who the caller was. I was asking about lineage and and Rachel. Pure, um, Rachel. Rachel. And, and you know, you, you talked about using a spreadsheet. Um, and we've used spreadsheets for for quite a while. Lori's like that's her thing. Um, but we also have yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of that way as well. I'm a spreadsheet man, we, junkie. You, yeah, we have spreadsheets that I usually update. But we have notebooks like stacked of like college notebooks, the black and white ones. Yes. Of, of everything that we have hard data on. So if we do lose the computer data, that's a, that's a good thing to to keep. You know, you you may say it's something that you do that's anal, but it's actually a good um, a good safety. Because uh, if something happens yep. and you lose your computer, you, you you lose all your data that on your computer, you're, you're lost. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, you know, I mean, I yeah, exactly. I, I keep a clipboard. Idea. I keep a clipboard in here in my in my room, you know, and I'll jot stuff down. Yeah. And then, absolutely. of course, going to Ron's, you know, I, I write down all the egg information and breeding information mm-hmm. on the front of the ca- in front of the cages with wax pencil, you know, and then I jot yeah, it down on a clipboard. And then, and then I put it on a I put it on a note card. I've got a note card on every animal. I put it down on a note card, and then I put it in a spreadsheet for everything. Well, well, we're working on um, we're working on a database right now. We're going to try to release it by the end of the year uh, through Access. Um, Because there's there's a lot of herp tracking software out there, but there's nothing really geared towards leopard geckos. Most of it is snakes. Right. Um, Right. um, So we're we're actually trying to put together a database that we can make as open source, so it'll be free for everyone to use. and as soon as that's be available, cool. we'll probably put it on the Gecko Nation place for download. You know, we'll put some links up. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, keeping the hard copies, man, that's that's a good idea. That's that's a good thing that people just starting out need to know. Um, I wouldn't make. I w- it kind of sounded like you were, 
you're kind of worried about saying that, but I think it's a, it's a great thing that you keep both both yeah. sides of that because um, you, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, we have I have hard drives I back up everything on, but sure. you, you never know. So keeping keeping those those note cards and everything like you're saying that's perfect, and that's that's a good tip yeah. for people starting out. Keep double copies of everything. Yeah, hey, and John, advice. I hadn't forgot about uh, you know I told you I was going to order some roaches from you. My buddy got snake oh, yeah. bit, and he's in the hospital in Odessa, so that's why I hadn't ordered him yet. I don't know when he's going to be back home. So no, as soon time, as he man. does, we got, I'll, we got plenty. I'll send you an order. Yes, sir. All right. Cool. Thanks, Sean. Great. Thanks for calling in. All right. Thanks, yeah, thanks Sean. Right. Hey, Sean, uh, what are you doing tonight? You want to do a conference call with me and Daryl? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'm hey, great. Yeah, because I'm, I'm off for the next week, so perfect. Yeah, I've been... I, I've been posting pictures and taking updated pictures and playing around in the gecko room, so I'll be up feeding and cleaning tonight. So, uh, Let's yeah, do just, it. Uh, cool. That'd be great. Just, just, just message me, and uh, I'll call. All right. Sounds good. Thanks cool. for calling in. All right. Thanks, John. Later, guys. All right. Got a few more callers here. Let's see. Caller from the 515 okay. area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. 515, Hello. you there? Yeah, sorry. Um, hi, my name is Levi, owner of Vista Gecko. Um, my question hey, Levi. is, hi, Levi. Um, I know this is kind of off topic to where you guys have been talking about languages and Leos for the night, but um, I'm curious. Have you guys had any um personal hands-on experience with the northern spiny-tailed gecko or any of the strophorus um species? Um, I've Not had, me. I have experience with. Okay, I have experience with strophorus. Tanicata, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Um, right. It seemed pretty delicate. Uh, I actually uh, didn't keep it for very long. I wound up solving it. It just seemed a little bit delicate for me, but they are uh, they are pretty cool. What are you looking for, husbandry advice? Oh, well, um, I'm just kind of looking at uh, a couple different species. Um, I've been dabbling with Leos and monitors for a while now, and uh, I've had some great success. But I kind of want to uh, adventure off into... Um, I hate to say it, but a little bit more delicate species of gecko, either like the mm-hmm. satanic species, um, and or yeah. like what I've uh, the northern spiny tail is what I'm really really wanting to push for. And I just I uh, wanted some advice on how to go about doing so, other than just the basic husbandry you can find out there. Okay, I have the perfect person for you. Um, and he was I think to say I know somebody. Yeah, yep. Joe. Huff. You're going the Joe same Huff way I was going. Show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was on our show about two months ago or so, Levi. His name is Joe Hupp, yeah. and uh, he's on Facebook. He's got about, I don't know, 200 different species going right now. And, um, and not only did he give cool a great interview, and... but, yeah, he'll be yeah. able to direct you perfectly with what you're looking to do. And, Levi, I've conversed with him. I've, I've, we've messaged back and forth, and he's he's very nice guy, and he will answer any of your questions no matter how rudimentary you think they are. He's a great guy, and he, if he doesn't know... Probably nobody does. Hmm. All right. Um, I just figured I'd hit on that topic because, like, I know that uh, we, oh, well, here in the group of Gecko Nation, we really focus on uh, Leos, but not a whole lot of any other species out there. Well, now I've seen I want to see, see more diversity. Yeah, do it. It seems that everybody loves yeah. geckos. So. <laughs> I want to see some more diversity. Yeah, I'm curious. Group, so. I'm curious. You get some. Throw some pictures up. I love looking at all that stuff for sure. Well, um. With re- uh, with research, I predict that I'm roughly about four to six months out from getting my first pair. 
and then uh, raising them and then to the first breathing season. And I'm very excited and uh, hopeful to uh, this little project. Cool. Hey, that's cool. what it's Sounds all about. Like if, you, if you've got the passion and the want to, sky's the limit. Well, exactly. Right. All right, guys. I don't want to take too much of your time, but thank you. Thanks, Levi. Thanks, Levi. All right, we got another one here. Caller from the 916 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello, is that is that me? That's you. That's sir. you. 916. <laughs> is this Mark? Hey, uh, uh, hi there, David. I I, uh, I lost track of time and and just uh, just got on. Um, oh, okay. Um, pretty good. Um, I'm having a great time being a new gecko breeder and. And as 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 you know, I've been learning on the fly, and and uh, um, I've I've got a a really good uh, um, beginning um, for for uh, for uh, for my my breeding projects: um, tangerines, um, bloods, uh, bell albinos, bell stripe or or uh, bold stripe bell albinos, which I I really like they have such a sweet yeah. temperament. Um Yeah, uh, good gentle. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 really sweethearts. I, re- I really like those and and uh um um a- anyway, I'm um um uh, kind of at a loss for words right now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's What's okay. Um this is Mark Mark. Yeah, okay. um yeah, my name is Mark Miras. I, I live in, in Sacramento and uh when my company becomes a company it'll be River City Geckos. Um there you I, go. I'm at the hobbyist level right now and, and and uh this fall I'll start incubating a fair amount of eggs and then uh next year it's pro- probably gonna explode on me. <laughs> it doesn't take long. Take it from me who just started you know, about a year, and yeah, uh, uh, a few will produce a lot of eggs. So get ready; it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to things because uh, I've invested um, a pretty good amount of money in, into some real nice geckos, and 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 I I can see there's there's going to be all kinds of interesting results that I'm going to want to hang on to and work with which means I'm going to need more and more racks <laughs> exactly yeah he's hooked, exactly he's hooked, I just, yeah he's he's got it yeah the bug has got him so oh absolutely quality is the key, uh, uh, quality is the key mark oh yeah yeah i i've got some beautiful geckos i i got two from david that are really beautiful i i've i've got several from marsha mcginnis that are really beautiful and uh, um, I've got a couple of amarines that I got from Ron Tremper, and, and th- they are beautiful. Yeah. And um, there you go, you're getting them from the right spots, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, I can't forget uh, Steve Sykes. He 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 lives about five miles from me, and oh, uh, I've I've got a number of geckos from him also. Um, you don't just go down there and hang out and drool, do you? <laughs> I wish I could. He he's he he's 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 pretty strict about his facility. He, he doesn't uh, um you know, I I I I meet him, you know, to pick my geckos up so there's no shipping, but uh 
but he doesn't, as a rule, bring bring people to his facility. Really? And he, yeah. So he, you need to come to Texas. You need to come to Texas. You can walk in Ron's facility, and and he'll give you the grand tour. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a and little ways amazing. from me, but um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd have to fly, yeah, that'd, but that'd be a road yeah. trip for sure, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, yeah. who, who is this I'm talking to? Daryl, Daryl Burton. Daryl, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, so, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just there. like you, I'm new. Yeah, the new yeah. guy. Yeah, so. I, I came in on this pretty late, and uh, I, I didn't realize it was, you know, past the, you know, the time. So, and, okay. So, an, anyway. Yeah, uh, never too late. Yeah, uh, never too where, late. Where, where are you? I am in uh, Midland, Odessa, Texas, which is about halfway between Dallas and El Paso on oh, 20. Okay. So, do, uh, do yeah. you have a website going and all that? Not yet. Uh, dang I, 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 Yeah, I will soon have one, and when I do, I will I will post it in the nation and let everybody know. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, have one I'm yet good. either, and and you know that's a that's a bridge I'm going to have to cross at some point. And, uh, I haven't even come up with a name show yet. About that. Pardon? Yeah. We should do a special show about that, how to start a, a gecko business. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I, uh, I'm a, a little bit apprehensive about, you know, uh, crossing that bridge and, and just how to do it and, and so on. Exactly. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you. But uh, but I, right. I know it's something that's that's definitely necessary. I, I've been working on on uh, my photography lately. I bought a new camera, and that's and, important. You know, I'm trying to I'm working on setting up a little studio setup where where I can uh, photograph my geckos and and get it done you know fairly quickly. And uh, what what yeah, I've come up with to... so far is uh, I've got a big black tub. And then I went over to uh, to the uh, materials uh, um, place, you know, where they sell rock and stuff. And I, I found found this uh, yeah. boulder type rock that it's mostly a gray tone, and yeah. and and it kind of slopes up, and and I can uh, take my gecko and and uh, um, l- let him loose at the bottom of the rock, and his natural inclination is to walk up the rock. And I've got some plastic yeah. plants in there, and and so he he kind of walks right up into a, a rocky grassland scene, and and I quick shoot some shots, and 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 cool. then uh, um, crop them later is is uh, uh, that's pretty much as far as I got, and it, it seems to be working out pretty well. Yeah, if people God, wouldn't get good. mad at me, I would glue I would glue their little feet down so they wouldn't mock, but I think people would get. <laughs> Get mad at me about that. So. <laughs> yeah, they don't stop moving. That's for sure. Never. All right, Mark, we got to get yeah. moving here. But thanks for calling in, bud. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mark. Nice yep. talking All to right. you. Bye. Yeah, absolutely. You too. Bye. All right. Hey, Daryl. Before we forget, tell us something. Daryl told me this story not too long ago, and it cracked me up. But it's just it just goes to show you it's a story about genetics and how. Uh, well, Daryl, tell us. Okay, in my uh, back in the seventies, my sophomore get, okay, my sophomore biology class. Okay, 
In my sophomore biology class in high school, um, which is the, the guy that got me interested in snakes, um, anyway, we're in class, and he's teaching us genetics, and we're talking about simple Mendelian genetics, and we everybody had a pair of mice because, you know, he was breeding rodents to feed his snakes, so we were the guinea pigs. So we would breed these mice and, you know, try to determine the genetics once the offspring came, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, he's doing a simple... A uh, simple little lecture, and he gets to talking about eye color in humans, and it is on the, the you know it's a sex-linked gene, and on the X chromosome is your eye color, and he goes in talking you know brown is dominant, you know hazel is you know kind of throws a little kink and everything, but anyway he gets to talking about blue eyes is a double recessive trait, and so he makes this comment in class. He says, if you are blue-eyed you know, both of your parents are blue, you know, will have blue eyes. And he, you know, he said, you know, this this kid, <laughs> this kid raises his hand, which, you know, I grew up with, and says, says, uh, hey, both my parents, you know, his, his statement was, if, if both your parents have blue eyes, you're going to have blue eyes. Well, this kid throws up his hand, he says, both of my parents have blue eyes, and I've got brown eyes. Well, you know, this is the 70s, and, and this biology teacher of mine looks at him and says, well, then your father is not your father, <laughs> or you're adopted. He says, no, I'm not adopted. And, I mean, it caused a big stink in a little bitty town of about 3,000 people. I mean, nearly got this biology teacher fired because at the end of the day, it all came out, his dad was not his dad, but nobody knew that but his parents. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was a big to-do and come unraveled in a small town in, in West Texas. And, you know, I mean, the only saving grace was is he he was telling the truth. You know, right. if both of your parents have blue eyes, all you can have is blue eyes. And didn't you know? the teacher get suspended and, I mean, and everything, too? Well, he yeah he got he got sent home with um you know with pay for a little while until it all you know went in front of the school board and you know and then it all came out but that uh, yes that his father really wasn't his father and you know the, and here's you know small towns being small towns if you if you didn't grow up in a small town you can't appreciate this but you know I go home and tell my mom about it and my mom tells me you know oh yeah you know his dad is so and so. You know, I mean, everybody in town knew it, but the kid didn't know. You know, we didn't know. You don't think about oh, things man. like that whenever. But, yeah, it was it was a big stink there for about six weeks. Hell of a way to find so, out, though. There you go. Yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. So, Interesting. But it was, huh. it was, it was uh, pretty comical. Yeah. Well, we're coming uh, coming to the end of your episode here, Daryl. I'm going to... I gotta tell you, it's it's been a lot of fun, of course, and you know you're gonna be a regular on the show. In fact, you know we've talked about doing the co-hosting and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I just want to also it. give you the chance. Yeah, give it, let's uh, give you a minute here to to have some closing remarks or anything else you'd like to to mention before we wrap things up. All you people out there listening, if you come up with a name for me and my future endeavors, just shoot me a shoot something on the nation. Throw it out there. We'll make a we'll make up a name for me one of these days or whatever. But my closing remarks would be for anybody that is in this hobby, 
do it because you enjoy it. Uh, do what you you know. Do what you want. Do what you love. Um, you know, don't do it if you think you're going to get rich. Uh, there's been a lot of people starved to death in the reptile business thinking they're going to get rich. That's not the key. You you got to enjoy what you do and breed what you want, what you like. If you do it correctly and produce quality animals, you're not going to have any trouble getting rid of them. Um, if you if you try to cut corners, you're going to have problems. But but that that's my deal. You know, if it's leopard geckos, if it's ball pythons, if it's corn snakes, if it's whatever, do it because you enjoy it. Don't do it thinking you're going to become a millionaire. And you might. I mean, there's there's always that possibility, but but uh, my deal is do what you love and uh, have fun doing it. If you're not having fun, you're not going to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you're going to be out. It won't it, before right. long you'll get tired of it and move on to bigger and better things. So yeah. And at the end of the day, you're dealing with you're de- you're dealing with live animals that depend on you to take care of them. So if you're not going to enjoy it and do it because you love it, you're not going to take care of them the way they need to be taken care of. So, yeah. well, but have well fun. That's my key. Well, that's so. right. That's right. I want to thank everybody. We had like a, I don't know, 22 people in the chat room tonight. There, that's uh, I think those those are around the same amount of people in the chat room as were there for Brian Barczyk. So uh, you're a pretty popular guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know Actually, if I'm on that scale or not, but <laughs> well, the, the show the so. show is becoming increasingly popular, so I'm not, you know, it's either well, that it's the, or it, maybe it's you too. So I don't want to take it away from you. Well, it's just well, people like you. So. Like I said, it's six degrees of separation, man. This thing is exploding. I know, I know, it's crazy, and I love I, it. I gotta, I gotta approve another fifty people that are waiting to get into the group, and they're sitting there. I have to, you know, approve them all. I haven't gotten a chance to do it yet, but. uh yeah, at least, uh, what, what do we got, like 100 or so new people a week now, right, joining the Gecko Nation? Oh, at least. Maybe even more. Yeah. yeah. It, it would be more. I, I think you're, I think you're slow playing so you don't have to eat a cricket. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's happening the way it's happening. Angela just uh, posed a question in the, in the chat. Uh, yes, um, I am going to have Anastasia from Netbug on the show, and we're going to talk all about tarantulas. And uh, Daryl's going to be my host wait. for that. Yep. So that's I can't wait. I want to talk to her real bad. Yeah. Yep. Hang tight. She's very knowledgeable. She's very, very uh, funny too. She's a, she's cool. But yeah, we'll be doing that soon. Um, all right, Daryl. Well, I'm not going to keep you. Uh, we'll we'll talk again tonight. We're going to do a conference call with you and I and uh, Sean. And I have another idea. Maybe in the future we can record our conference calls and uh, maybe uh, post them up on the blog talk here then we can put something like that together too so uh hey i don't have a problem with that yeah you know you know you 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 never know whenever you have those late night druid worships conference calls you know lots of good information comes out of that a lot of trivial stuff as well but there's a lot of good information absolutely but you know what people like the casual stuff and you know whenever we've done a casual type of show. It's always gone over very well. Uh, just as, like I was saying, just as, as well as the more structured interviews. So we're going to do more of that in the future, guys. And like I said, everybody out there that's listening, if you have any ideas for the show and how we can improve and what you'd like us to do, email me at geconationradio at gmail.com. All right, we're going to go into the recorded part of the show. You'll be able to hear the very end uh, when you download it. Um, so 
Daryl, I'm going to let you go, and uh, we'll talk to you tonight. Thanks, Dave. All right, anytime. Talk to you soon. All right, folks, another terrific episode. I want to thank everybody that participated in the chat room, everybody that's still listening to the show. I am going to play the outro and come back with my closing remarks, and I'm going to play a cool song. Hang tight, folks. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks, uh, another great episode comes to a close. And I, for my closing remarks, I'd like to uh, mention to everyone that if you found herpetoculture, if you found leopard geckos or snakes or whatever it is that really fascinates you, um, I believe that we all have a responsibility to get others involved, especially if we're going to be breeding and selling offspring. Because if we don't create new, uh, new enthusiasts and new customers, everybody's kind of just you know, picking from the same customer base. So I think it's all of our responsibility to encourage new people not only to get them involved in this great hobby so that they can enjoy it, but also to help with, you know, the, the pool of animals. Because there's a lot of controversy today about um, price drops and the market and auctions and this and that. If there are enough customers, there won't be any problems. If there's enough people that are interested in reptiles and herpetoculture that are buying them and investing, there's not going to be any issues. So that's, that's my thoughts. Those are, that's my opinion today. I may change that opinion tomorrow. Uh, that's how, kind of how I feel about things right now. hope that resonates with you, and I hope you guys can maybe expand on that. And, uh, you know, let me know your ideas. We're going to be doing a complete show about the market, auctions, pricing. Um, coming up soon, I am picking a panel of very, uh, very knowledgeable and experienced uh, breeders and sellers so that we can, you know, basically – Break it down and just have a really uh, educated discussion about the topic. All right, I think it's important and it's timely. A lot of people want to know, like, why are the prices the way they are? And what is it about auctions that people don't like? Are auctions good for the, good for the um, industry? And uh, all these different types of questions are going to come up. So I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. That show is probably going to come up in the next couple weeks. Now, next weekend, very important show for Canadians. 
we're going to learn exactly what it takes to ship animals to Canada and vice versa. All right, that's important. That's something a lot of people want to learn how to do, breeders here in the U.S. We have a huge uh, customer base in Canada that, that's just waiting to be able to acquire our animals here. So I hope that I can help uh, breeders in the U.S. discover how to do it, okay? So tune in for that show next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, folks. Um, before I play the song, I just want to go through our list of sponsors, okay, because our sponsors are awesome. These sponsors, uh, these sponsor plugs are sincere, okay? The people that sponsor the show are people that I know that I can stand behind, and these are businesses and breeders that are just the best at what they do, highly reputable and ethical. All right, number one, Dale's Breeder Dragons. If you guys need any kind of reptile supplies, exotherapies, heat pads, uh, supplements, anything at all, dalesbeardedragons.com is the place to get them. If they don't have it on the website, you can, I, I'll put you in directly in touch with the owner, Mario, and he'll get you what you need, all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet stores, okay? And if you see them at any of the Northeast shows, mention Gecko Nation Radio, and you're going to get 10% off, okay? Gecko Nation Radio to Dale's Bearded Dragons at any of the expos, automatic 10% off. Cool. Um, avdragons.com sells the highest quality of juvia roaches. They are fed the highest and best quality foods. These roaches are just the best, the best roaches you can buy for your, for your insect-eating reptiles. Check out abdragons.com. They also sell FlexWatt reptile heat tape, which, of course, is the top-of-the-line and safest heat tape product in the world, okay? Don't be fooled by imitations claiming to be more advanced or better. They're not. FlexWatt is the latest technology, and it's the most safest that you can use to heat your racks and custom cages. And uh, AB Dragons has a standing code for 5% off. It's Gecko, all in caps. Use it at checkout. All right, geckoboa.com, John Scarborough, very, very respected breeder in the community. is working with some amazing subspecies and wild-type uh, leopard geckos. Okay, also very big into white and yellows and really nice trimpers and bell stuff. Check them out, geckoboa.com. Uh, Supreme Gecko, Wally Kern, has some great prestes and day geckos and sells some supplies too, like food and stuff. So check out SupremeGecko.com, and uh, they'll take care of you. Very good breeder. Um, Ohio Gecko, that also runs gecko farms. Check out OhioGecko.com. Uh, they've got amazing lines of tangerines and snows and cattails. Really nice stuff, guys. So OhioGecko.com is definitely another well-respected breeder to get your animals from. Uh, Rainbow Mealworms, best feeder company i found. Best prices, highest quality worms. Check them out, rainbowmealworms.net. There is no rainbowmealworms.com. It's rainbowmealworms.net, okay? Um, check them out. Uh, Jillian Spence runs Rainbow. Nicest, nicest person. She's, she's a doll, and uh, she regularly takes care of the community with special promotions and whatnot, okay? One of those promotions just ended, but um, I'm sure there will be another one in the future. They still have the best prices anyway. So check them out, rainbowmealworms.net, biggest worm farm in the world. All right, reptilesexpress.com is the best live animal shipping company. Use them to ship your animals in the U.S. anywhere, okay? Reptilesexpress.com, they have all kinds of heat packs, shipping boxes, anything you guys need to ship your animals, and they also have the best customer service. Honest, ethical shipping company. Check them out. Ron Tremper is the king. Gotta love Ron. 
Ron Tremper has basically gifted us the world of leopard geckos. If it wasn't for him, we would not be this far into morph making and what we're doing. Ron Tremper's website is uh, leopardgecko.com. Check him out. He's always got something amazing for sale. We've talked about him a few times tonight. I've got some of my best projects from him. Everybody that's really heavily into leopard geckos, sooner or later, has gotten something from Ron or one of their projects is from Ron. Amazing stuff. Amazing breeder. All right, giantleopardgecko.com is another great breeder for super-sized leopard geckos, all kinds of cool morphs. Check out giantleopardgecko.com. That's Keith Kiggins. He's got some really great fat tails and some crusties too, and he's one of our newer sponsors. So we're happy to have him on board. Uh, and, of course, MS2 Premium Insect Chow by Marcy Sowers. If you want to feed your feeder insects the best food, MS2 Chow. You can get it at Rainbow Mealworms, and you can buy it direct from Marcy. All right. Uh, we have one more sponsorship spot available. So if anybody wants to advertise with Gecko Nation Radio and reach thousands of people worldwide, now's your chance. Email me at geckonationradio at gmail.com. All right, folks. I want to thank everybody for making Gecko Nation and the Gecko Nation Radio Show a huge success, and we're going to take you out with a cool song. Hang tight, folks. Until next week. And by the way, this is Daryl Burton's favorite song. I asked him what song he'd like for his uh, show, and I said, what's your favorite? This is what he told me. So if you don't, if it's corny, it's not my pick, it's his. <laughs> Here you go. She was a waitress at the only joint in town. She had a reputation as a girl who had been around down Main Street after midnight. Brand new pack of cigs, a fresh one hanging from her lips, a beer between her legs. She'd ride down to the river and meet with all her friends. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Sonny was a loner, older than the rest. He was going in the Navy but couldn't pass the test. So he hung around town. Sonny's playing eight ball at the joint where Sherry works When some drunken out-of-towner put his hand up Sherry's skirt Sonny took his pool cue, laid the drunk out on the floor Stuffed a dollar in a tip jar, walked on out the door She's running right behind him, reaching for his hand The road goes on forever and the party never ends Sonny jammed her down in gear Sonny looked at Sherry Said let's get on out of here The stars were high above them The moon was in the east The sun was setting on them When they reached Miami Beach I got a hotel by the water And a port of Bombay gin The road goes on forever And the party never ends Contraband. 